Hey everyone, it's Saturday, January 9th, 2021. Welcome to episode 48 of the Ginger and the Beard podcast. I'm AJ, aka the Ginger. And I'm Reese, aka the Beard. On this week's show, we'll be reviewing a tasty coconut and cacao nibs porter, giving our thoughts on upcoming UFC events to start off the new year, and discussing news that Apple may be working with Hyundai to develop the Apple car. Oh, cool. We'll also be discussing Dry January's health benefits, reviewing controversial UFC decision wins from 2020, the upcoming CES event, and uh, what game would we send into the future? Oh, that should be fun. Yeah. But before we get started, I want to remind you guys to subscribe on YouTube, follow us on Spotify, and if you really want to help us grow the show, please tell a friend to check us out. Yes, and make sure to check out the YouTube chapters or the timestamps in the description if you'd like to skip around to your favorite topics. All right, man, we have a lot to cover, so let's get in, let's get into this. How was your week? It was good, man. Uh, this super super long week. Um, we use Google Calendar at work, and any of any meeting that I have is a little blue block on my calendar. It was like solid blue block this week. The whole Oof. week was a blue block. Yikes. It was intense. Yeah, it was exhausting, man. Um, so I'm, I'm taking this weekend to recover and, uh, you know, just try to relax a little bit, drink some delicious beer, play some video games, talk to you, nice. you know, hang out with the family and uh, just kind of recuperate because it was a pretty brutal week, but but good nonetheless. So how about you, man? How was your week? Yeah, it was busy as well. You know, I feel like beginning of the year just never bodes well for work. So same kind of thing, just really busy, but you know, I, I started, uh, uh, a new hobby, I guess you could call it almost, uh, rucking, um, as an exercise. So I've been, I've been doing a lot of walking, uh, this week and, uh, and rucking. So like legitimate, you know, I have a, I have a nice big old rucksack. Nice. You know, I think it's sweet. Yeah. It's got about uh, 25 pounds in it. And then, uh, I'm I'm still drinking out of this sucker right here. I got a I got a water bladder, so nice. I got some some new toys for the week. Had a really crazy workout this morning, and anyway, man, yeah, it's just been a, you know, it's like the the New Year's resolution thing, but like I'm not on social media being like, ooh, New Year's resolution, know. you know, like hashtag no, like, New Year, New Me. Yeah, like <laughs> no, I'm just trying to do lifestyle changes here, man. So yeah, um, get into that That's in a little awesome, bit dude. when I when I tell you about dry january oh fun stuff yeah man i'm I'm excited for your um rucking i think it's super cool it sounds sounds i want to say fun but fun doesn't seem like the most appropriate word i think <laughs> but it sounds cool it, i don't know it's definitely different but i think like it's it's a nice like uh you kind of like break up the monotony especially during you know, COVID, um, yeah. you know, we're like, you know, I've been at home mostly. I don't have children. So like, you know, we don't have to like do all that. You know, we, we just stay at home pretty much. So I've just been inside the house playing video games for like a long time. So it's right. nice to get out. Like there would be days where like, there, I'm sorry, there would be like, like almost like weeks where I would just not go outside sometimes, you know? Yeah. And I'd have my blinds closed and like, I just didn't get any sunlight. So now it's, you know, getting outside and breathing the fresh air, seeing the sunlight, get some of that vitamin D. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Apparently that's pretty good in terms of, uh, you know, defending against COVID. So, Oh yeah. Who well, knows if that's true or not, but 
Oh no, it's definitely true. Yeah, it's tested. Um, not necessarily against COVID, but just immunities in general. Yeah. Um, there's like a lot of anyway. We don't have to get into that right now, but <laughs> we could do like a whole segment on on benefits and and anyway. But anyway. we will be talking about <laughs> the benefits of Dry January very shortly. And delicious beers. So yes. do you just want to get into that? Yeah, man. Let's get to it. All right. What you drinking, dude? Well, sir, I am drinking a pastry porter ha- porter excuse me, porter horse, not porter house. Hey. As you might guess. From oh, New that's Realm cool. Brewing. Yeah, check out Whoa. this cool little horse. New Realm uh, Brewing, huh? Yeah, New Round Brewing. Shout out to Eric Leach. We had on the show a couple episodes ago. He actually is responsible for designing this wicked awesome can. I love um, the can. So if you guys, yeah, it's awesome. If you guys aren't watching the video, number one, go check us out on YouTube. Number two, it's a uh, very colorful, illustrative can, or to use Eric's words himself, uh, hyper, hyper illustrative. Um, it's a horse. I assume to be a, a male horse with like, it looks like a wife beater on or maybe a, um, a, I don't know. Maybe that's like an apron, a cooking apron. Maybe it's a baking apron. That's big pastry. So that would make more sense. Yeah. Um, but there's like cupcakes, you know, all over the place and little horses at the bottom here pulling like little buggies of cupcakes. Pulling a cupcake. It's kinda, <laughs> yeah. It's kind of hard to see um, in the, in the video here, but just a really fun can design, and I've had a couple of these already. It's a little bit of a cheating, a little bit there, um, but I had a couple of these already, so I got a little bit of a sneak preview. It's very delicious, man. I think you know, even beyond just this time of year, like you know, the the colder months, I'm you know getting more into stouts and porters and things. But porters, man, are becoming they're like working their way up my list in terms of like my favorite types of beer, because yeah. people do like such cool like fun stuff with them. And, uh, you know, every once in a while, I just kind of like something sweet and easy to drink and not super hopped. Um, So that just definitely falls right into that category. So let's go ahead and give it a pour. I think they typically have a little bit more hops in them uh, as well compared to stouts. So, I mean, I can understand why that's why that's, you know, uh, striking your fancy there. Looks nice. Did you did you go to the brewery to get it or was it in the stores? Ooh, that's a dangerous pour right to the top there. Stay away from um, the keyboard, man. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to stay back. This actually was in Wegmans. I could have gone to the brewery, but I just happened to be in Wegmans um, building a six-pack and saw this there, and I was like, oh, no, it's my it's my dude, Eric. Um, so I had to pick it up. And, nice. Because um, I hadn't actually tried this one before before we spoke to him. So, but yeah, very nice, dark, um, dark brown color. Looks really black on the camera. But uh, it's over overly saturated there. It's not quite. I wouldn't say it's a hundred percent opaque, um, but it's a very, very nice dark brown color there with a thick, thick head. Very yeah. consistent bubbles, as you would usually point out. I noticed um, uh, when you were pouring it, it wasn't as opaque as I thought it'd be, and then even yeah. the color of the bubbles. Usually, the color of the bubbles are a little bit more like mocha or like caramel or like a, mm-hmm. like darker. Those look pretty, pretty like cream colored. Exactly. Yeah, I was gonna say it is very cream colored, and like that's kind of like the the theme throughout this beer. If you ask me, like it's just very creamy mouthfeel. Like the flavor is kind of that that like you pick up a lot on that cream vanilla sort of flavor. But it's uh, brewed, like I said, with coconut and cacao nibs, so you pick up a little bit on that chocolatiness. That's a fun um, word. Cacao. Cacao. Cacao sounds like a martial arts movie. <laughs> but uh, let's go ahead and give it a sniff here. 
you know, I'm not sure if my senses are fully recovered from COVID yet. Like, I don't know if I have a hundred percent of my smell, smell buds back yet. Is that a word? I should just coin that smell sure. buds. Smell buds. Um, Seems legit. But I definitely pick up on that. Like I said, the sweetness, kind of that creamy sensation. Um, not a lot of coconut. I don't, I don't, I don't pick up a lot of coconut in the aroma, um, but a little bit of that cacao and vanilla. Um, so let's go ahead and give it a taste. Oh man, so good. Yeah, I, I kind of feel bad like describing this in front of you right now, as a you know because of what we're about to get into. But um, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just wiping it from my mind. <laughs> you know, it's like I almost like now that we keep saying the word creaminess, like it, I almost can relate it to like a a delicious cream soda like on a hot day like you remember the cream sodas oh, i love loved them the taste and like texture of those things you know on a super hot day yeah that's exactly kind of what i pull from this um and the, the coconut again with the taste it's kind of hard for me to find i'm searching for it right now i'm going to give it another sip yeah i mean i i can get that coconut right on the front there just a little bit but I really have to look for it. And um, the cacao nibs, usually when you see something advertised with having cacao nibs in it, you expect that like overpowering, overpowering chocolatiness. Um, but it's very subtle with this one. I would just say like overall, man, this is just very well balanced. The mouth feels amazing that the, <clears throat> the head is nice and thick still. It just kind of hangs out there. It's not going away. And uh, it kind of adds to it with each sip too. And um, that flavor, I mean, I do pick up a little bit on the hoppiness on, on the finish. And it kind of sticks around with me a little bit, but it's not, again, not overbearing um, and just very subtle. The whole thing is just very sweet and subtle. And, you know, it's just it's just a very nice beer to drink to kind of kick back and chill at the end of the night, man. And um, I'm kind of sad that this is my second to last one. I'm going to have to go pick up oh, some no. more before they're, before they're all gone. So 8.9% overall. Yeah, I highly recommend this. If you're in Virginia Beach or um hampton roads you should be able to find this at you know some of the local local grocery stores um if not make sure you go check out new realm pick up a pack of this before it's too late so and shout out once again eric leach uh for that can design make sure you go check out that episode where we interviewed him and got to know a little bit more about what makes a good label design and how that impacts um you know people's decision to buy yeah and and the focus that they put on the whole package it sounds mm -hmm. like they delivered the whole package in that they did, beer. man. Yeah, label design all the way throughout. They definitely captured the beer's personality, as Eric would say. Oh you man, know? that's that exciting. was one of the cool. I was like, most people would probably ask you, like, "What the hell are you talking about?" The personality. He's like, he's like, well, you know, when we think about a the name of a beer, we we think about what's the personality of this beer. Um, I, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, I know you did as well. Like, kind of like as beer nerds. You know, it makes oh, yeah. sense to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, so. dude, I, I loved it, man. When he said that, I was like, oh, yeah, it makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let's see. What about you, man? What are you drinking tonight? High quality H2O, man. Yeah. Oh, We're nice. Drinking water out of this uh, out of this bladder here. So local? Is it local? Where, where'd you get it from? <laughs> yeah, right from the tap. <laughs> Sent it through a Berkey. And now it's in this blue bladder. Two oh, and a half, two and a half liters, right here. Is that a lot? Or how, I mean, how much are you trying to drink a day? A gallon. Nice. But I, I got this for that. Oh boy. 
big dog status. One one of these a day. Fill it up every morning and then just chug away. Anyway, yeah, man. So no beer today, uh, clearly. So I, I gave up alcohol for the month of January. My wife and I do this every year uh, for the past three or four years now. Um, you know, certainly as a reset, but there's also a lot of other stuff uh, going on behind it. And and we just kind of did this on our own. It wasn't actually uh, tied to what I'm about to talk about here in a second. It was kind of just a, hey, we should just do this. And then we did it because we wanted to save money and we wanted to be healthier. Um, and come to find out there's like a lot of people that do this. So, yeah. um, you know, it, basically there was uh, – um, some testing done to figure out like, you know, what's, what are the benefits of it? So giving up alcohol for just one month has lasting benefits, um, mental, physical, and Hey man, your pocket, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I guess it was, it was started by alcohol change, uh, United Kingdom, which is a, uh, um, uh, what am I going for? Um, donations right they do like donation charity yeah they're like a charity group in the united kingdom i don't know why i was struggling on that anyway (laughs) it's it's, it's been a week it's because i don't have a beer that's why anyway exactly (laughs) so thousands of people around the world pledge to take part in this campaign each year it's not just the united kingdom so i thought that was pretty cool um and you know just using basic logic right like probably it's a good thing that you know since excessive alcohol consumption leads to, you know, cancer, liver disease, cardiovascular disease, et cetera, it's probably good to like abstain from alcohol, right? Even if it's just a month, like that's just basic logic, Makes right? Makes sense. Yeah. But there was a study by researchers from the University of Sussex um, that indicated dry January can improve your life and that there's long lasting benefits. So let me get into it. Uh, So basically, there was 2,821 people that filled out a survey at the start of the uh, at the start of um, January, basically. Um, Sixty percent of those participants uh, were to then complete the survey right after January. And another 40 percent of the participants um, completed the survey seven months later. Um, So the people who took part in dry January indicated many health and physical health benefits as well as less spending, like I said, um, here's some of the stats. So starting from the top, let me get through this list as quickly and clearly as I can. 93% experienced <laughs> a sense of achievement. That's pretty obvious. 88% had saved the money that they would have spent. So they put it into a savings account. 82% reported an enhanced awareness of the relationship with alcohol. That makes sense. And that's very mm, good. 80% mm. felt more in control of their drinking habits. Cool. 76 understood uh, when they felt more tempted to drink and why. Um, understanding your addictions, I guess. 71% mm, work, learned. Work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 71%, 71% learned that they did not need alcohol to have fun, which should be obvious. And they also said that they enjoyed a better quality of sleep. 70% reported better overall health. 67% had had a higher energy levels. 58% lost weight. That's pretty significant. Um, 57% reported improved concentration. And then 54% said that they noticed better skin health. So Interesting. just in line with that, what I've noticed in my previous years of doing it and what I've already noticed in the first week of doing it is certainly saved a shit ton of money already. For certainly sure. higher energy levels. I've already lost a, a, you know, a crazy amount of weight. I'm not going to share that here, but it's like pretty ridiculous. Um, 
and like the biggest thing is like the brain fog's gone. Now I don't know if the brain fog's due to exercise and like eating healthier or if it's due to not drinking. It's probably a combination of those. But like I can think clearer, I can have conversations better, I can recall things except for the name charity. You know. <laughs> um you know, so all all really really cool things. And then Dr. Richard Piper is the CEO of Alcohol Change UK said this. The brilliant thing about dry January is that it's not really about January. Being alcohol-free for 31 days shows us that we don't need alcohol to have fun, to relax, or to socialize. And that's, you know, kind of shown by the numbers as well. So, yeah, man, um, pretty, you know, I, I think it's a good thing to do. Certainly, I, you know, I'd love to help the breweries um, and, and buy their beer because I know most breweries take a hit in January. Um, mm-hmm. everybody's been drinking over the holidays and then some people are doing dry January. So the breweries aren't doing yeah. so well. Q1. Um, I'd love to support them, but you know, I got to put myself above, above all. So, uh, you sure. Know, it is what it is. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's admirable, man. There's other ways you can support the breweries too. If you really, really, you know, if they absolutely need it, which I'm sure they do, but you could buy merch, you could buy, um, gift cards you could buy, you know, whatever. Go some of them sell food. New Realm obviously has a giant, full blown, full size kitchen, you know. So I could lots technically of other you could still do. buy the beer. Yeah, you technically <laughs> could. Hey man, I got a beer fridge now, so I could stock up all month and Hold still on. not drink any of it. Let me I'm gonna I'm so jealous. I, I want one. <laughs> I know, it's pretty awesome, I'm not gonna lie. But no, that's some of that stuff's interesting, man. Like um you know, I, I feel like the older I get, the more I recognize like the brain fog thing, like you mentioned. Like, right. I, during the day, working from home, have zero distraction. Like, as weird as that sounds, like working from home, I'm so much more focused than working in, in an office. But still, even with zero distraction, you know, sometimes I think it's a normal thing that people experience. I just find myself just staring at the screen. I'm just like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing right now. <laughs> and I have to like snap out of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, some of that's like paralysis by analysis. Like there's just too much to do. So you don't even know what to do. But uh, yep. I think some of that's also, I don't have the greatest memory or like brain function to begin with, <laughs> you know? Um, and but, that attention deficit, like, yeah, you know, yeah. I do. I have to, I don't have ADD or ADHD, but like, I feel like I do. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah, for sure. Some days um so that's interesting man I, I might have to give it a try one day um you know i think the hardest thing for me is like it's just something i enjoy which i know you're in the same boat i enjoy it so much just for, from like the taste and the experience standpoint yeah um it, you know. it, it's it's not a problem for either of us it's not like we're alcoholics we drink right. a couple beers a week and yeah. it's and it's not like we're drinking a 30 rack of bud you know we're over here mm-hmm. drinking like craft beer to enjoy, to experience, to try new things. And it's like rarely the same thing ever. Yeah, exactly. That's the point is trying different stuff. Um, yeah, exactly. I think it's not like my literally my granddad, um, you know, which I'm not sure if alcoholism was a thing back then. It, it was just like you what you do. I mean, he literally had cases and cases of natty light in the refrigerator at all times and that's like that was his water like you know what i'm saying <laughs> jeez yeah dude, um, I, I do my dad did it with bush yeah always be a 30 rack of bush yeah so i mean yeah I, i'm drinking like at most a craft beer a night you know what i'm saying so yeah but that's interesting man i mean like 
we talked we've talked before you know that we had uh brian reedy on from gamer advantage with the blue light glasses we talk so we talk about how that impacts your sleep and overall mental clarity and things like that then you talk about diet as you mentioned exercise and alcohol and all like all that stuff plays into it um you know shane and i a long time ago did the uh paleo diet i know we're kind of rambling on on this topic here but um you essentially cut out like all dairy, all gluten. Um, I don't even remember what else, but it's just eating clean, essentially just meats and vegetables and not no processed stuff. And I felt so good, man. I had so much energy and like um, got rid of like any indigestion I had. I didn't have to have like afternoon coffee anymore. So it's just interesting how like these minor diet tweaks can have an impact on you. So That's I pretty much you for doing this. That's pretty much what I'm doing right now. Like I I didn't even call it paleo. Like I'm not following like a paleo diet, but I'm only eating fresh fruits and vegetables, uncooked. Yeah. You know. And then I I eat a big old serving of fresh fruits to ve- fruits and ah, fruits and vegetables. In the morning, um just, you know, uh, just cram it in and then at night all I've been doing is eating a 10-ounce steak. That's it. Oh, sounds so good. I love steak, man. And I'm happy with that. Oh, I, I'm so sorry. Good. And and um, a cup of rice with uh, turmeric. Mm, good call. Good call. Yeah. I used to take turmeric supplements, um, mainly because Joe Rogan said so. Um, so, but yeah. Anyways, they, yeah, they say turmeric. So it's okay. Anti-inflammatory. One, one last thing, and then we can move on. Yeah, it's an anti-inflammatory, but also it helps um, to activate zinc, and zinc uh, is what can get into coronavirus cells and shut them down basically. Yep. If if the zinc ion, I guess, gets into coronavirus, it actually like completes the the pairing so that the covid can't like attach to us. So but you but it, like zinc on its own won't be able to penetrate the the covid. You actually need the active ingredient inside of turmeric, which I believe is curcumin to to do that. So Anyway, fact, fun fact for the day. Fun fact, yes. Yeah. Yeah, man. So anyway, really water. Cool, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you guys out there, let us know. Are you participating in dry January? Because, yeah, we have heard you know, from a few different people that they are participating in that. Um, randomly, some of the dudes we were playing video games with like the other weekend, like, yeah, I'm not drinking anything. I'm doing dry January. You're like, oh, no, no way. Me too. Yeah. Um, so really cool. You guys let us know if you're if you're doing it and if you are, how how else are you supporting breweries or what's your strategies and, and all that good stuff. But I think beyond that, man, we got some uh UFC news to talk about finally. Yeah, you know, those UFC guys, you know, they their water consumption's uh, a little wonky. Let's let's do this. <laughs> you know, some sometimes they go for a couple of days, weeks without drinking any water, but uh yeah, that's yeah. Pretty- neither here nor there right to shrivel themselves up on purpose so yeah man finally back to some ufc news um i saw something today that i didn't even put in these show notes but i just thought of it so we'll get to that in a second but to kind of kick things off here i um i'm not sure if you saw this news but the ufc is donating one million one million dollars to brain research um at the lou ruvo center in las vegas um, and that's nice. all going towards research on CTE. And at this point, they've now donated over $2 million in three different rounds of donations towards the same cause and, and research. Um, I don't need to explain to the people out there what CTE is or why it's important that we research it. But thought it was interesting that um, 
you know, in this article by ESPN, they mention how Bellator, Top Rank, and Golden Boy, all these organizations have also made significant contributions to the same research. And that's unlike other sports is what they said. So obviously football being a major contributor to CTE cases. Um, just today, watching the Rams beat the Seahawks. Woo, go Rams. Um, in the playoff game, the starting quarterback for the Rams got a shoulder to the head um, and was taken out of the game on the first, you know, or the second set of downs, I think. Um, I think it was a neck injury, but that's a perfect example of how people get that kind of brain trauma. And obviously the UFC is no different. You're taking repeated shots to the head. You know, you get knocked out and you fall backwards on your head. Your head, head smacks the mat. That's all scary, dangerous stuff that can that can lead to uh, diagnosis. Um, but what I thought was really cool about this is beyond just researching CTE and understanding that further, this donation is actually supposed to go towards funding um, the development of new imaging technologies that will allow for CTE to be diagnosed in living patients. Oh, okay. So, yeah, that's really cool because um, if you guys don't know, CTE can only really at this point be diagnosed within autopsy and brain, you know, looking yeah. at the actual deceased brain. So Post, Post-mortem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So that would be huge because finding early signs of CTE would, would help, you know, obviously look for people or help people look for um, symptoms. I think back to, uh, I'm probably going to mess his name up. I don't know if it's right or not, but I think it's like Aaron Hernandez or, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, you're, I'm pretty sure you're right. And yeah, he's the one that <clears throat> killed the Patriots and then committed yeah, suicide. Yeah, I think he was a yeah. tight end on the Patriots. He was. For the Patriots. And yeah. Um, yeah, he killed somebody and all this stuff. But once he killed himself in prison, it's kind of dark, but once he, once he committed suicide in prison, they, they looked at his brain and he had CTE, which can lead to, um, you know, acts of violence and things like that. So if they were able to diagnose that sooner on, something like that could have been prevented. So I thought this was super cool. Yeah, man. Um, really happy to see that. You got to see more stuff like this because, um, you know, fortunately for UFC fighters, uh, there's not as much brain trauma as in boxing or in, um, you know, uh, football. But then if you compare them to like tennis, which has like no brain trauma, you know, so they're they're kind of like in the middle road there. But I think mm-hmm. it's great. We need to have this. We need to find out what's going on. I wonder if I have it. Help me out. Send me there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. You yeah. would think that something like a simple brain scan, MRI or, or CAT scan or something would be able to show it. But I guess there's something I don't know anything about brain brains, obviously, but uh... it, it might show it. They just maybe they just probably haven't, you know done the research to be able to accurately diagnose it or mm-hmm. you know identify it so hopefully yeah. you know with this you know it's probably going to take more than a couple million dollars frankly to get For it sure. done but you know For hopefully sure. you know in the next 10 years um they'll have a you know an answer or a better yeah. idea right yeah definitely so and the other thing i saw today that i hadn't even put in our notes document was that um there's news out now that the first it was either two or three events that will be happening for the UFC at on Fight Island um, will actually have a limited amount of attendees in the stands. So we have some that. fans. Um, that's pretty exciting, man. Obviously, there's still COVID spikes in the United States. We're not going to spend our time talking about that right now, but um, kind of exciting to see people actually going, getting the opportunity to go and attend some sort of live sporting event. Who's flying out to Fight Island to watch an event? I don't know. 
but maybe it's the people of Yaz Island actually going to go and uh, attend. Probably yeah. more likely the case. <laughs> yeah, right. But um, that's kind of cool. And um, on that same note, we've got our first headliner kind of announced for the year, Max Holloway versus Calvin Qatar. This should be a good one, man. I'm excited to see Max back in the octagon. And it's a main event. It's not even a pay-per-view. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And this is actually the first show that the UFC is going to have on um, ABC. I don't know ABC. if you saw that as well, but it's... Was it's, it ABC or CBS? Um, I'm pretty sure it's ABC. That was that was what I saw. Um, oh, yeah, I actually, I actually right. saw that right before... Uh, yeah, you're right, you're right. Right before ABC. we went live. So, um, yeah, man, that's, that's awesome. Right? I don't know yeah. if there's going to... There's not going to be, like, live people for this fight, I don't think, but, like, by the Connor dustin fight, that's going to be pretty... That's going to be interesting, because there's going to be people there. Yeah, that's going to be cool. How could you not have people in attendance for a Connor fight? Yeah, yeah. Sorry to go back to that, but... There's yeah. got to be some drunk people in the audience waving an Irish flag. I mean, I mean it wouldn't be a Connor fight if not, right? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely um, but yeah that's interesting that it's gonna be on abc i wonder what the decision is behind that i mean that's great for the ufc some more national uh i mean not that espn's not national but um some more kind of uh presence that's that's pretty cool um it is at 3 p.m in the afternoon though just to be aware on a saturday 3 p.m make sure we uh you're you're tuned in for that that should be should be interesting that's too late um, for me man i'll probably be sleeping 3 p.m yeah <laughs> I'll be chasing kids around the house, so hopefully I can catch some of it. If not, I'll watch the recordings, obviously. But nice. um, I mean, I guess just really quick takes so we can get to some of our other stuff. Any thoughts on who you like in that fight? Um, I you know, I'm a I'm a fanboy, man. I like Holloway. Calvin Qatar has proven himself time and time again, though. I don't yeah. think this is gonna be an easy fight. I think this is gonna be a close fight, and uh yeah, I I just I, you know I my 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 money's on Holloway. I agree, I agree. I think Calvin's a great fighter. Um, he's coming off some fairly impressive wins against Jeremy Stevens, Dan Ige, in twenty twenty. But those guys really, as much as I like Jeremy Stevens, um, they're not really top of not top tier at this point. You know, they kind of have seen their seen their prime. I feel like, um, and uh, he his last loss, Calvin Guitar's last loss was against Zabit. And, um, you know, obviously, I don't remember. Oh, was it? Very, yeah. Because yeah, it was, it was supposed to be a five-round fight, and then it got moved to a three-round fight. And, uh, you know, Zabit was doing really good in the first two rounds, and that he just plummeted in the third round. So it was controversial because it was supposed to be a five-round fight. And I think if it was, Calvin, Calvin would, have taken it. would have probably taken it. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and then you've got Holloway, on the other hand, who's been fighting nothing but the best for so long, you know, Years. and has only recently slipped to Volkanovski, two back-to-back losses to Volkanovski. And I know he's obviously bitter about that. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm with you, man. I'm on the Holloway hype, hype train. And uh, I think this is going to be a stand-up, uh, knockdown, drag-out sort of fight. You know, I don't think there's going to be much groundwork here, personally, but... It should be an exciting one to watch, nonetheless. I'm and, actually um, going to be breaking down Holloway's last loss here in a couple seconds. But oh, I, yeah. I agree, man. Yeah, I'm, here we go, dude. Here we go. That's right. And uh, I guess real quick before we get to that, there's a couple of interesting fights on that card 
earlier in the night, Joaquin Buckley, which if you guys don't know that name, he's very new to the UFC, but has uh, one of the best knockouts of 2020 with a spinning back kick. Back heel, heel to, the, to, to the, the face. face. Heel to the dome knockout. Um, he's back now against Alessio D. Shiriko. I don't know how I pronounce that. Um, and also on the prelim card, we've got Phil Hawes versus another hard to pronounce name, Nasr Nasrdin Imavov. 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 Maybe something like that. Um, but Phil Hawes had an 18 second knockout in his debut of the with the UFC. Ooh. So two two really aggressive, really dominant fighters are coming coming out on this card. So I'm pretty excited to to check that out. But Wow. Um. Yeah, man. Lots of good stuff coming up in 2021. Pretty excited. I'm pretty excited for that. Hopefully, it keeps coming. So, yeah, man. I'm gonna jump right into this um, robbery robbery review roundup. Right. Let's uh, oh. let's take a little look at some of the closer calls of 2020. Maybe not like the closest calls, but like the close calls when uh, titles were on the line. And and you know, since you you brought up Max Holloway, let's go ahead and look at Alexander Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway 2. So this was UFC 251. It was on July 11th, 2020. Um, I'm pretty sure we both watched the fight. Mm -hmm. um, I know I watched it. I'm pretty sure you watched it. So the judges yep. awarded the fight to Volkanovski 48-47, 47-48, and 48-47. So just very, Split very close. Decision. Very close. I had that fight 3-2 to two Holloway. Actually, I thought that Holloway won the first three rounds pretty clearly, and then Volkanovsky came back and just barely, in my opinion, barely won the last two rounds. So mm -hmm. that's where that were my those were my thoughts on it. Um, so before I give you the media score um, and what the fans, the majority of the fans thought, um, what do you think? I dude, honestly, it's kind of hard for me to recall the, the the fight. It's been so long now. I can hardly remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. But um, <laughs> I seem to I seem to agree with what you're saying. I think Volkanovski showed us in both of his his fights with with Holloway that his stamina and his um, endurance in those championship rounds is quite impressive for a guy um, who's just now getting to that level. You know, opposed with somebody who's been there before. And I do seem to recall that he had he was the fresher fighter in those last two rounds, but that Holloway, um, especially in the second fight, Holloway looked a lot like he a lot more prepared with for what Alexander had to bring um, in those earlier rounds. But I do yeah. recall there being some controversy around the, the scoring, and I I think you know you and myself and Toby, our, our other friend who watches UFC with us, were like kind of going back and forth on who we thought. Um, should have taken that and uh, also questioning like who are these judges like what are they what are they looking at um, yes you know so what's what do the media have to say about it well well first I want to just give you a, a quick recap the way that I remember it the first fight I thought was obviously Alexander won that fight I don't think you know I don't think uh, Holloway was quite ready for it and I think you know Volkanovsky brought more to the table than he was expecting he kind of Holloway's thing is range, keeping range and then striking from range. And uh, Alexander had an answer for that. But in the second fight, um, Alexander seemed to be playing a different game. And Holloway was just doing his game, but doing it a lot better. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Holloway, I, I thought he was just doing very good, just doing his game. And then, yeah, like you said, I think Alexander's got great stamina. I mean, Holloway does too. 
Um, but I think, you know, Volkanovsky was really able to start edging it a little bit in those, in those later rounds. So here we go. So the media had Volkanovsky winning, right? If you look at, there's like, I don't know, 20 to 30 different media members. Um, some of them did have Volkanovsky. Um, I'm sorry, the media, the majority of the media had Holloway winning. Mm -hmm. There was some of them that had Volkanovsky winning. Um, but I would say it was probably like, um, uh, two to one probably for every for every two Holloways there was one Volkanovsky and then uh, if you look at the stats from the fans which you can actually go over to MMADecisions.com to cast your vote and see these stats for yourselves um, 60% of the fans thought Holloway won so um, there's a thing there was I can't remember if it was like uh, which which researcher or which philosopher said this but basically like the majority of of the population having a decision on something has more clout than than a researcher um interesting this a researcher's decision so like there's you put more faith because you have a bigger sample size yeah and you have more judges to to do that rather than having (laughs) just a couple experts so you know i would say uh, i mean i it makes sense to me, you know, you, yeah, a thousand people think that, uh, Holloway won, but the three that matter don't. Yeah. Yeah. You I, know? Just, I just had a hilarious thought. You know, if you've ever watched America's got talent or the voice or American idol, like why can UFC fans not sit there with their phones at the end of each round and be like, all right, bro, I had that one 47, <laughs> 48, you know, whatever. <clears throat> um, yeah or 10-9 that was a 10-9 round or a 10-8 round or whatever like why can we not do that or even just have like be like like maybe not even be like fans just have like 500 ufc fighters that are like that like they have to take a test so that they can get like approved to be judges and then all look right we live in this digital age like come on now but then they'd be like, oh, well, what if like, you know, the three-year-old kids playing with the phone clicks the button, you know, it's like, something like that's that. That's a but, cool, I mean, that's a cool idea what you just said too, though. People, there's so many people in the sport and that's actually a cool way, like, you know, slide those, slide those, you know, pseudo judges a, a couple bucks, right? Like pay them 500 bucks to call a fight or something. Um, and just, yeah, at the end of each round have like 500, a mixture of like media, um, bloggers, fighters, former judges, former referees, whatever. Right. And just in real time scoring it from wherever they are. So then like, to your point, you have a, a larger sample size. You can trust the results a little bit more so than some dude who has like, you know, halfway through the round is like, Oh, what shit? My wife just texted me. What'd she say? Oh, uh, yeah. It's like, <laughs> he's like distracted. Yeah. Right. You know? um, Drink, drinking his coffee, you know, whatever. Yeah. Had a few too many drinks or looking at just, the ring girls, you know? Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> you know, so that, that would be cool. I mean, we have the technology, obviously. Why, why can't we make that happen? We have, <laughs> we can make him better. Anyway, yeah, the technology. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. So there was, uh, there's one more John Jones and Dominic Reyes, and in the interest of time, I'm just gonna run through this one. You know, let's not even get into our opinions on it. Um, John Jones, Dominic Reyes, UFC 247 was on February 8th, 2020. The judges awarded the fight to Jones. It was 48-47, 48-47, and I don't know how 49-46 blows my effing mind. 
I had the I had the fight three to two Reyes, but honestly, I probably could have gone four to one Reyes. It was uh, it was like that. Um, so the media had Reyes winning. Um, it was even more tilted towards Reyes. Like it was it was like three to one Reyes with the media, mm-hmm. and then more than seventy percent of fans thought Reyes won, uh, which was just. You know that's that's pretty astonishing, and I, and frankly, I don't know how the hell they gave it to Jones. I, he 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 got his ass beat the first three rounds, hands down. Yeah, that's where the forty nine forty six one is like, what? Who paid you under the table? They were um, watching the ring girls the whole time. Yeah, that that one makes no sense. Um, I I do agree with this one. You know, I know we're not going to get into our kind of our decisions, but I do recall we had a uh, a show, a podcast after this fight, after this card, and we were like, you know, I guess to be the champ, you got to beat the champ. You got to really, you know, that's a stupid saying, but I thought he did. I think I think the in the judges' eyes, like unless you have a dominant performance over the champion, they're like always going to lean a little bit towards the champ. But I think it was pretty apparent. That's the fight that, to me, I looked at John Jones and like, all right, we're looking at a different John Jones here. You know, the uh, Tiago Santos fight was the first, and then after the the Dominic Reyes fights, like this is a different guy now. Um, yeah, he's not as knows. good. Yeah, he's not bringing it like he used to, man. And I hope right. that it, when he moves up and has to stand toe to toe with Francis or Stipe or whoever it is, he um, he brings it. Cause yeah. <laughs> otherwise, he's getting smoked. Yep, absolutely. But to your point, I think it's. It's their performance in the fifth round is what matters, not just yeah. beating the champ. I think it's like you have to like beat the champ in the fifth round. It seems mm-hmm. like they put a lot of emphasis on that, which but, is where John excels. But. Exactly, exactly. That's where he wins his fights. But hey, man, that's it for tech. Uh, that's it for UFC news. Let's move on. You ready? Let's do it. Anyway, what's up? Bada all right, technology news, man. It honestly, we were talking before the show. Technology is kind of hard to come by this week. Uh, you know, there's a lot going on in the world, and uh, you know, we're not going to get into that side of things, politics and whatnot. But turns out, political news buries technology news in today's world. So, kind of annoying, but it is what it is. But one thing that came up that stood out to me, you know, I, you know, I uh, like to talk about Apple news, um, and people like to hear Apple news. I feel like. Um, the Apple car is something that has been in the news or in the rumor mill for quite a few years at this point, you know, back when Tesla announced their first, you know, model S and things like that. It's like, Hey, when's Apple going to do this? Um, you know, so still nothing concrete around this at this point yet, but there is, there are some, um, headlines circulating saying that Hyundai is actually in talks with Apple to produce the Apple car. Um, so the deal apparently has been greenlit, but waiting on final signature from a Hyundai chairman and reports have stated that Apple has plans to have a better driving range and better technology than what you could find right now in Tesla. Um, although our, our boy Elon Musk has uh, expressed a little bit of criticism around that and saying, you know, he's not really sure how they could actually accomplish what they're saying they could accomplish. And if I had to go with anybody, I would I would bet my money on Elon versus yeah. Um, you know, Tim Cook, <clears throat> but Ooh, anyways. shots fired. Yeah. I mean, I like Tim Cook. I like Apple obviously, but Elon Musk is a straight up genius. So, you know, my money's kind of with him when he's talking about, I-, I trust his word about technology more so than I do Apple's, but, yeah. um, 
you know, this all kind of brought about to me, like Tesla is sort of already the apple of self-driving electric vehicles. You know, they take things to the next level. They're more luxurious. They're more put together. They think about things from start to finish. Um, they look cool. They make electronic or electric power cars actually sexy. You know what I'm saying? Like you could either buy a Tesla or you could buy a Nissan Leaf. Like, come on, come on. Mm. Which one do you feel cooler driving? A Tesla or a Nissan Leaf? You know what I'm saying? Or come a on Prius. Now. Come on I mean, now. Come we on. all know. Yeah. So, and they're like little freaking toys. They like have all those extra features and stuff. Yeah, they're super fast, you know. So, uh, my question is like, what does Apple really have to bring to the table here? Like, let's just say that they are working with Hyundai or whoever they're working with. Like, what do they actually have at this point to bring to the table? You've got manufacturers like Audi with their e-tron. Um, you've got uh, BMW with some of their electric cars. Um, Porsche has a, uh, shoot, what's it called? Uh, I can't remember the name of their, I don't know. It's like a Tycon or something like that. But all these electric vehicles from all these luxury manufacturers, like how does Apple enter, enter into a space like this and actually compete? Like what, what more could they actually offer? <laughs> like any ideas from you on that? No, I don't. I think <laughs> I, I know companies like to diversify and whatnot, but in my opinion, it's a waste of money. It's a waste of investor money when you diversify and you go into something like, like cars like that. I mean, I, I know they make, you know, phones, which are basically just computers um, yeah. and, you know, they have their own batteries. I'm pretty sure they outsource their batteries. So like, that's one thing that they'd have to solve for. But yeah, I mean, it's a whole nother route of technology, a lot of development work and whatnot. I mean, they can do it, but I'm sure they will do it, but I, I, you know, if, if they do, I'm probably still going to buy a Tesla unless they come out with something that's like really good point. Like it, unless they come out with something that's like really sleek and attractive and yeah. has a ton of features, you know, I'm like beyond better integration with your iPhone. I just don't understand what they could bring. There, there are already cars that you can use your phone to unlock the vehicle and start the car with without it being an apple car yeah so i just don't know it's you know, the and you full, look at it's the I full can, stack right though i'm sorry it's the yeah. full stack you could have the apple your whole house could be apple your phone's apple your your tablet's apple your computer's apple mm -hmm. yeah now, i mean you've got a car you've got apple carplay that comes with built into a lot of newer newer vehicles in there you know display and display kind of navigation systems um so unless you want a car that's built that of 100 percent, you know uh what do they call it um shit unibody aluminium as aluminium. johnny ive you would say you know you look at the latest imac pro and or not imac pro uh mac pro and you can buy the caster wheels to mount on the bottom of your mac pro so you could i don't know why so i guess you could just roll it around for fun, I don't know, um, but the the caster wheels cost like hundreds of dollars. These stupid little wheels, just because they're designed by Apple, or their monitor stand for their Pro Display XDR monitors, which cost like ten grand. the The monitor stand itself costs a thousand dollars for a stand, a monitor stand, thousand dollars. So can you imagine how expensive an Apple car might be? But uh. Anyways, I'm, let's let's I'm, get off. I'm gonna get off my soapbox on this one. And I, I consider this almost like vaporware at this point. 
where it's something that's being talked about, but probably not going to come to fruition anytime soon. Bloomberg actually reports that this this sort of car could still be about five years out, and uh, they're a pretty reputable source. But another area that we see or event that we see a ton of vaporware discussed is CES, and I believe you've got some news around that. Yeah, so um, this one kind of like fell off my radar for a while, but CES 2021 is literally next week. So That's um, crazy. Yeah, it's an all-digital tech show. Um, so usually CES is like um, all live. It's in Vegas. There's like tons of information. It's always like a really fun time because like it's all about prototypes. Like most of it's just like prototypes or like new shit being released, but it's usually like really goofy, like off the wall stuff. Some of it's like realistic. Most of it doesn't ever come to fruition. Most of it's just scrapped or companies get bought out because they have great ideas, but it's, it's always just so cool to see what people are coming up with and see what could be the next thing. Um, but of course, it was always people like on the you know expo floor walking around taking videos. You'd have a lot of YouTubers there and see their points of view. You'd have all the main you know companies there that are reporting on it, all the big tech reporting companies um, there as well. So uh, it's different this year. It's all digital. So it's going to be Monday, um, January 11th through January 14th, Thursday. Um, and it's going to uh, – they're opening its virtual – it says that they, they're going to open their virtual doors to attendees, but that's a little bit misleading. What's actually happening <laughs> is it's a, a trade-only event. So hmm. what that means is unless you are have some type of um, industry affiliation, whether you're a reporter or you're a techie yourself or you work for one of the big tech companies or something like that, then you're not going to be able to go to CES's website and register. Boo. Um, so how are you going to find your information? Well, pretty much either you need to find a big news coverage uh, stream such as PC Gamer, CNET, or IGN. I know that they're going to be like streaming certain events and you can go to their websites to find what uh, what um, you know events they're covering, um, you know, but they're going to be covering different things. So you're just going to have to go, you know, figure it out. I mean, there's so many different companies out there, but, you know, um, you can also go directly to the uh, exi- the you know the exhibitor's website basically and find out uh, more information directly from them um, and or their social medias of course um, see where they're presenting how they're presenting at CES and if they offer their own live stream of when they present so I do recommend that um, but your next question probably is well how do I know who's gonna be there so. You can go to the schedule of events, um, digital.ces.tech will take you there. Um, There's also going to be an exhibitor uh, directory there. So you can look at all of the people that are going to be there, if they've signed up for it already or not. Um, And you can see when like the larger events are going to be taking place. So you can click on the exhibitors, find out some more information about them. But yeah, man, that's how it's going to go down. I'm going to be checking it out. I'm sure you will be too. Yeah, I don't understand why they would make it um, trade only. There's Zoom make calls. A lot of sense. Yeah, so I guess maybe they're worried about bandwidth or, um, yeah. you know, load on the servers. I guess. Yeah, like having <clears throat> but, like you know like thirty thousand people on a Zoom call, right? Like that's gonna be tough. Yeah, it's just weird that they couldn't figure out a different system. Like you know, Apple does all their keynotes virtually. Well, they now have been doing all their keynotes virtually, and they have always streamed them live on their website. So you know, it's kind of odd that that CES couldn't come up with like some sort of proprietary 
streaming just do it on youtube yeah exactly that's kind of weird i mean i'm sorry not even youtube like just do it on their own website right just stream it. that's how apple does it Yeah, yeah i mean but that's cool nonetheless i mean if it's uh I mean, maybe they just don't want to make it free for everybody. Maybe they just don't want to... I, I don't know. I mean, I know there's a lot of companies that are doing stuff free that they didn't used to do. Like Adobe Max, for instance, is a uh, creative sort of professionals event that happened later in later last year. And uh, it was completely free. It never has been before. But um, this is the Consumer Electronics Show. Can't just be the trade ele- electronics show. Come yeah, on, man. people. Let yeah. the consumers watch this stuff. Stupid. They want it to get out to consumers and gamers and techies and all that stuff. They do. Yeah. They they say that they want it to get to them. So man, I bet you know you know who's hyped right now. Who? CNET, IGN, PC Gamer, all those guys are super hyped. They're like, hey, people can only get the CES coverage from us now. They can't go get it themselves. But yeah, pretty much. But not really. only. You can, I mean, you can find other media sources, but it's like those are the big ones. So like most people are going to go to the big ones, right? Yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, I guess in the past it's been the same. Anyways, you can. I mean, none of neither of us have ever attended CES. You're always just checking the news sources to find out what's cool. So yeah, but not I'd much change. Like, I would like be scrolling through YouTube and just looking at random people's you know stuff, going, right. seeing them talk to people, which you know I felt like that was always had like a little bit more origin originality, you know. Good point. Yeah, good point for sure. Yeah. Hey, so uh, that's it, man. Uh, pretty exciting. I think we're gonna have a lot more to talk about next week for tech. Yeah, Not so much definitely. this week, but can't wait to talk about the next uh, holographic projection mapping, some kind of something technology that will never actually exist. Full body suit VR action. Yeah, you know. Oh what's up. yeah, yeah. With the butt sensors, so you can know when somebody's like touching your butt in VR. <laughs> oh my god oh my all that god. stuff that actually will never exist in real life <laughs> are you I don't, come on now <laughs> that's gonna exist someday if yeah. they made if they have those sex dolls over in japan right now then they're gonna Anything's have a possible they're gonna have a butt <laughs> squeezer for vr <laughs> yeah i think one thing that they showed last ces was like I think it was a Mercedes car that had like all these like holographic like touch screens or whatever. Like it had like no front window, which was like a projection. And I was just like, come on, bro. That's, like, don't even show me this that's, stuff. Yeah, that's scary. Yeah. There was so. a there was a Razer laptop last year that had like three screens. Oh, I remember that. The one that like folded out on the sides. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah, that makes total sense. I can get down. <laughs> you can do right, a lot man. of gaming on that. I'm going to game on all three of these freaking screens. You better watch out. Yeah. So moving on. (laughs) All right, man. We got some, speaking of gaming, let's get into it. Yes. All right. So, um, you know, not anything really specific happening right now that I, that I want to talk about. I feel like all of the big stuff has kind of happened in the past. There's a lot of controversy, a lot of other crap going on. What I, what I want to say, let's do something fun, right? So um, here's my idea. What game would you put into a time capsule for future generations? And a couple things to take into consideration. You can only save one game, right? It's just one game. Okay. And, and you got to think about first off, like, well, how do you want to influence these people in the future? Do you want to tell a story? <laughs> do you just want to give them something goofy? Does it have any meaning? Who cares? How far into the future should we send it, right? Mm-hmm. Two days from now. 
No. <laughs> and then um what I guess what impacts do you expect the game to have on future civilizations? Hmm. So, Man, this is a real ponder. This is a real head scratcher. Didn't really give you a lot of time here, did I? Yeah, I'm I'm racking my brain right now. So so I can I'll start off, right? And I, I don't want to influence your decision, but but I'll start off on some games um that that you know could could possibly be it duke duke nukem i'm just kidding mm. <laughs> <laughs> probably probably not the best one but but like you know probably like rim world is a game that i play a lot which is like a colony sim kind of deal where you have to like you have a bunch of people at your colony and you have to like keep them all alive and feed them and grow plants and put the air conditioner on and have power supplies and raiders coming and try and kill things so I was thinking that one's that one's like a that one's like if I was trying to be responsible, like that one or like The Sims, right? Everybody knows what The Sims are. I was are, thinking that. I was literally thinking that would probably be like responsible decisions to like if I were to send that, let's just say three thousand years into the future, because shit's gonna be really fucking different mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. three thousand years. Like there might not be any. There, it's anyway who knows man it, it could just be like an apocalyptic wasteland by then yeah. um maybe there'll be neanderthal maybe it'll just be like all like cave dwellers but anyway who knows um but you know i i, I think if i think three thousand years would be very interesting to send it to them and then you know I, i'm just wondering if they'd even be speaking english would they even know what's going on in the game would they even understand it would it have any meaning to them? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good thought. I mean, things things will be so different at that point. Um, but you would think that documentation will allow them to reflect on, uh, you know, how we used to be as a people. But just to say maybe there's some kind of a nuclear fallout and maybe we lose all of our historical records of, you know. Um, yeah. And like only, the... The, only the snails on Earth survive and then one day they evolve into some intelligent beings. Oh, wow. <laughs> Um, one million yeah, years from now this is a really hard question um like the great egg the great library of alexandria got burned down in uh 500 bc and they say like when that happened we lost a lot of our history yeah we'd be way smarter right now if that wouldn't have happened yeah we probably could just build pyramids right now if we knew <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to think like what was the most influential game for me personally. And I think it would probably be Halo, the very first Halo. Ah. This is probably the most influential game for me. However, and taking myself out of the equation and thinking about the impacts it would have on the future civilizations, this sounds awful, but Grand Theft Auto, you know, Grand Theft Auto 5. Would be That's good, a good one. because not only is it a great game, and that far in advance, the game would have so much DLC that it would probably be <laughs> magnificent. Um, but no, just kidding. But if we did need to allow people in the future to peer into the times that we lived into, that we lived in, and understand our culture and how we were as a people, that's a pretty good game to like put it into perspective. Yeah, dude, I really couldn't agree more. I mean. You get to see the good and the bad yeah. in that game, especially you know. Grand Theft Auto Five. You've got because you live three different, completely different personalities. You let have the rich white guy, the white trash guy, and the impoverished black guy. 
you know, who's in gangs and all this, and they're completely different lifestyles, living different, all of them in, in terrible situations for different reasons. Yeah. But, you know, so you get a little bit of breakdown. We're getting real deep on this one. Oh, you get dude, a breakdown of like classist, you know, classes, you know, capitalism sort of stuff. Um, yeah. And I mean, and then with the, just the DLC that's out now, you've got casinos, you've got uh, oh, clubs, yeah. business, you've got uh, so economy, all kinds of crazy stuff. That would be a, that's probably a good one because you really get to show what it was like, you know, now. Mm-hmm. They would be able to see what it's like, you know, what, you know, what, what history really was like, or, yeah. or you could send them Crash Bandicoot. Uh, d- dude, we're literally on the same equal wavelengths. I was literally <laughs> thinking like pre Halo, what was it? It was Crash Bandicoot for me. I freaking Crash, love Bandicoot, Crash Bandicoot, dude. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Just a simpler time. We're just, just, just I don't even, what is that animal? I don't even know what he is. <laughs> I think he's like a Tasmanian devil or something. Yeah. But I don't really know, and like, I don't even remember the plot. Like, I think you're just fighting against some like crazy scientist or something. Yeah, and you just like jump, jumping on boxes and spinning around really fast. Yeah, spin. Oh yeah, spinning around. Yeah, dude, I I used to spend so much time on that game. That was that was my jam back yeah. PlayStation PlayStation One days. Is I'm pretty sure that's oh, when yeah. I had it. PlayStation One. Yep. Now we're in a reminiscing mode. There was a game we played. I remember this game. I literally can definitively say this was the first game I've ever gotten a fight over. Um, <laughs> I wish I could remember the name of it. I'm going to have to look it up after we're done recording, but what was it like? Maybe, you know, it was a game where you, it's a, it's sort of like a race. You can either pick a bicycle, a skateboard or rollerblades, and you could play multiplayer and you're racing side by side with these people. And you have to like collect items as you go. But you, so you're playing with your, obviously there's no online back then. So your friend beside you is either on a bike or a roller or a roller skates or a skateboard and you can like punch and kick the person beside you and knock them off of their their vehicle. Interesting that this made you get in a fight. Yeah, and I remember <laughs> like my friend being so much better than me and he's constantly knocking me off of my thing and I like literally punched him in the arm cuz I was so ama- so mad at him. <laughs> <laughs> the game but, became reality. Yeah, don't don't put that one in the future. Nah, pro- probably not. I, I and just for the record, I I don't know. I don't think I ever played that one. But there's a couple other ones that I you know I could probably see like Pokemon, right? Like that's been a big one for a lot of people. I don't know if that one's as like serious, right? Um, you know, and then you could you could probably send like Fallout Three, um, which is set in um the Washington D.C. Arlington area. Um, that one has a lot of uh cool shit in it you could i mean you could probably send cyberpunk uh, 2077 that's not a bad one i mean i haven't played it True. yet but like it's kind of explains you know the stuff that we are dealing with as far as like corporations and stuff go but just set in like a futuristic setting and then um just one that i really like is probably diablo just because I'd be like, guys, you just got to play this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. That is interesting to think about. The game was called Too Extreme, by the way. Too Extreme. Okay, nice. So, I'm trying to think of like, do you remember, you remember Dreamcast, right? Hell yeah, man. I had a there Dreamcast. Was, there was a game called Seaman. Do you remember that? No. <laughs> I had very few games for the Dreamcast for some reason. I think the Dreamcast came out so close to like the original Xbox that I switched quite, or it might have been the PS2. Came out like right before the PS2, then I swapped, yeah. I switched. 
and that's why it did so bad is because everybody bought the bought the other console but um so so semen came out (laughs) (laughs) came out with dreamcast and um basically it was just you were this little fish guy it was a fish with a man's face and you would have to raise him from like an egg in this little glass uh you know he was in an aquarium and it came with a microphone so you could actually talk into the dreamcast and talk to this thing and it knew like two or three thousand different like words and it would talk back to you and you could like swear at it and it would like swear at you and it was totally probably not something i should have been playing as like a freaking 10 year old but yeah to really fuck with their minds in the future, I would send that. <laughs> this is what you guys used to be. You used like, to have what? tails and fins, and you would swear. <laughs> um, yeah. Man, what game was I just thinking about? Um, I, oh, 007 GoldenEye from ah, N64 days. That's a good one, too. Yeah, yeah. Or just Smash Brothers or like Mario or something. I don't know. There's so many good ones, but I, th- I still I think I'm sticking to my guns on GTA for the really deep, you know, yeah. philosophical reasons. Yeah, no, nah, I I I actually I'm gonna go with you on that one. I think that's probably the best pick. If if we're being responsible and <laughs> and, and want to show them what it was really like, then yeah, which, I I which feel see- like you. Yeah, it sounds weird to say like I would recommend GTA Five. Like that's like the most you would never like let your child play that game. But like to teach people about how it used to be as a civilization, that's like a perfect example. Isn't that sad though? It's like, hey, I would never let my child play that game. But that's like the most re- realistic game, right? True. It's like, hey, what's reality about? Well, just play this game and you'll find out. Yeah. No, you're yeah. not allowed to play this game. It's too real, right? Yeah, that's Isn't that true. weird. It's like a it's little teaching backwards. you too much about the. Oh, wait, I can't make money selling drugs? Hold on. No, no, no. Santa's still real. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> well, that was man. a fun question, man. Thanks for bringing that one up. That was that was kind of fun. Yeah, I got to keep it interesting. So, cool. That's it. All right, oh. man. Well, um, yeah, I guess that's all we got. That was a, that was a good episode, but I guess we uh, should close it out. Let's go ahead and close it out. So, uh, everybody, thanks for sticking around and listening. Uh, we certainly had a lot of fun. I hope you did too. So please like and subscribe on YouTube. Also subscribe on your favorite podcast player if you really want to help us grow. Share this episode with a friend. Yes, absolutely. And uh, of course, as always, let us know what you're drinking out there. Make sure you find us on Instagram, on Twitter, Facebook. We're on all those places. Check us out at thegingerandthebeard.com. And uh, stay tuned for some more episodes, more content coming your way. Yep. And make sure to drink water. Peace. Yeah. See ya. Drink water. Drink water. Drink water, bitch. Oh, drink water. Drink water. Drink water, bitch. Oh, drink water. Drink water.